Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, guys. Today's show, I interview midwife Amanda about her two home births. Being a midwife almost made it harder for Amanda to get out of her head during labor, particularly when she reached those crisis of confidence moments. She shares the valuable tools she took away from each of her births to use in her practice supporting women in the hospital. We chat about the effects her mental game had on her perception of pain and why she thinks mothers should be planning their breastfeeding journey as much as they do their births. Hope you guys enjoy today's show. Hi Amanda, thanks for being here today. Hello. Could you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name's Amanda. I live... um on a small coastal town in South New South Wales with my husband, Ollie, and our two sons, Oki, who's almost two and a half, and Banks, who's almost four months. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a midwife at the local hospital here. Yeah, nice. And were your pregnancies planned? Yeah, they were. So we actually got very, very lucky. I'd been with my partner for since we were 16 we met in school and I was working full-time as a midwife and he proposed that was May 2018 Mm -hmm. and I came off the pill pretty much um, immediately I'd been on the pill for like almost 10 years and I never got my period I just got pregnant straight away (laughs) (gasps) which is crazy crazy. like I was telling him oh you know it might take a year like on (laughs) average it takes a year and then never got my period so it went a few weeks and I thought oh this is weird and then I just woke up one day and thought I think I'm pregnant yeah and I was (laughs) yeah I have heard of that happening how was your pregnancy with Oki um it was really good so um, I was really lucky, smooth, never even felt really sick um, and just kept active the whole time. Yeah, nice. And what model of care did you choose? So at the hospital I was working at at the time, they um, have a midwifery group practice which has publicly funded home birth. Yeah. 
So I knew that I wanted to have a home birth, but we were building a house two hours down the coast where we live now. So the um, the head of the home birth program was actually my mentor midwife. So I tried to convince her to come down, <laughs> but they have so many rules and regulations. It was just way too far. Like they have like a half an hour catchment area. Okay. So she put me in touch with a private midwife, Louise, um, who was from Wollongong, but happy to travel. And so I met up with her and instantly um, really liked her and wanted her at my birth. Mm-hmm. And she had a student midwife working with her at the time um, who was also a birth photographer. And so she asked if I was happy to have her and we ended up having a really good connection as well. And so my husband was, he was on board with the home birth because he trusted me as a midwife, but he was a bit worried about like the financial costs of going private. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just put it as like we didn't have private health insurance, so he'd saved all that money. Um, over the years mm-hmm. and um, we did a calm birth course actually at about 30 weeks and after that he was like completely on board thought that it was definitely the way to go yeah okay we didn't tell anyone that we were having a home birth so my mum had had really traumatic births okay. and as soon as I told her I was pregnant the first thing she said was but you don't have private health insurance how are you gonna have an obstetrician and like as a midwife that is so far from what I would want and so we just decided to not um not say anything to anyone except obviously the midwives at work knew but none of our family and friends knew what we're planning we just didn't want to have their sort of fear and judgment um and just didn't want to have to explain ourselves to anyone and just do it how we wanted yeah such a Um, good idea what about the midwives at work what was their reception like that was interesting actually so a few of them mainly the midwives I told were either the home birthing midwives or midwives that had had home births themselves um, because I got to choose a midwife from work to come as my second midwife so I chose um, a girl that I was friends with who had had two home births herself. Um, some of the midwives that obviously it's more of a tertiary hospital, so some of the midwives are uh, quite against home birth or just have their – they're just really medicalised. Yeah. So I sort of just didn't really talk about it with them. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And do you want to take us to that first sign of labour? So I was 39 weeks and two days. So in my head, I kept thinking I'll be 42 weeks. You know, my mom went to 42 weeks with all of us. I'm a first-time mom. So we moved down the coast when I was about 37 weeks and my husband kept working up in Sydney, so about three and a half hours away because I told him, I was like, no, no, it'll be 42 weeks, come (laughs) down at the due date, like may as well get the money and then – that on the Thursday night I just started having contractions and had to call him to come home but he wasn't born until like three days later anyway oh perfect (laughs) it was yeah it was just sort of like things were starting and I got him to he came down got home around probably midnight and I did everything that I would always advise you know I would advise women at work you know 
don't walk around, just rest in early labor. You're going to need the rest. And I was doing the complete opposite, like walking around the block at mid at midnight, trying to get everything going. <laughs> I was just exhausting myself. And then the Friday we just went out for breakfast, went to the beach and sort of just had like really mild labor. Yeah. And then that night everything picked up and I remember saying to my husband, like, the baby will be here by sunrise. And I thought in my head, like, I've got this. I don't know what everyone's talking about. (laughs) And I had no idea. Like, so he wasn't born until 7.25 that, the Saturday night. Okay, yeah. So I had, I was in labour, but it would have been like early labour. And I just think as a midwife, like, you'd think I'd have more ideas. Yes, so funny. <laughs> but I, at about eight in the morning on Saturday morning, I called my midwife and just told her what was going on. I said, like, I felt like I was in labor, but nothing was really progressing. Like it hadn't gotten more intense. Mm-hmm. So she decided to just come down and check me out. And when she got there, I was coping really well. We just went for a walk. So um, Louise and Jen, who was a student midwife, went out for breakfast and went op shopping And then came back to check on me and it was sort of just the same. Like I was having, I got in the bath in the birth pool and then everything died off. And then about four o'clock, I kept asking Louise to break my waters (laughs) because I was sick of it. And she, she's very low intervention and really didn't want to, but eventually I might yeah, I talked to my friend who was my second midwife came down and she was like, yeah, just break your waters. And then that was about 4.30 in the afternoon. And as soon as she did that, it was on like the labor went from like a four to a 10. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was like, I'll go for a walk. And I got about 10 meters away from the house and had to get back inside, got in the birth pool. And then um, I, in my head, I was just thinking like Louise, so all private midwives have to, um, bring oxygen just in case, um, the baby needs resus or anything. Mm-hmm. And I kept looking at her going, oh, you've got nitrous there, don't you? You've got nitrous and you're just holding it on me. Oh no. Cause <laughs> what's like, nitrous? Is that for you? The like gas. A- oh. Yeah. Like, you know, in hospital, how you'd yeah. have gas. And she was like, Amanda, you know that I don't. <laughs> and in my head, I knew I didn't, but I just really wanted it. And then I went from the pool and I got back into the, went from the pool to the shower. And um, then in the shower, in my head, I kept thinking, so when she broke my waters, I was seven centimetres. And then I kept thinking in the shower, I know I'm way too late to go to the hospital, but maybe if I called the ambulance, they could just give me a shot of morphine. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Crisis of confidence. Yeah. I think I was just really in that like transition and in that headspace, like, which you would obviously have seen being a midwife. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like every, every single birth. And like, you know, when, as soon as like, that's what I say to women, like when you think you can't do it anymore, that's when you're close. Mm. Like, when you're, you've done so well and then you're all of a sudden you want an epidural, you can't do it anymore, nothing's working, that's when you're going to have your baby soon. And so in my head I was like, yeah, I know I wouldn't make it to hospital but I'd just like <laughs> some drugs. I know why everyone gets an epidural. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was fine. As soon as I started, 
I sort of started involuntary pushing and then Louise said um, she knew I wanted to have a water birth. So she was like, oh, I'd get back in the um, pool now, which, yes, I got back in the pool and then started pushing. And I think as a midwife, like I just knew too much. Like I kept thinking in my head, oh, you know, most women, their first baby, they can push for like two hours and I just feel too tired. Um, But I only pushed for like 20 minutes and then he was crowning. And then his head came out and his shoulders, so it wasn't a shoulder dystocia, but his body like got stuck. So I had to, I had a couple of contractions and I had to actually like pull him out. And then my husband, um, like my husband was in the pool across from me and then passed him up to my chest and he just cried pretty much instantly. Mm. It was such a relief. Yeah. Mm. So being medically trained and then almost feeling like you had to keep this home birth to yourself, what was that moment like for you realizing you did it? Oh, euphoric. Like the whole time I had no fear. There wasn't Mm. like any moment that I feared for myself or feared for the baby. Like I had full, it was just that the pain when I thought, oh my God, I actually don't know if I can do this. (laughs) But, and I, that's, I think I'm so lucky. Like I'm so happy that I did do it at home because if I was in the hospital, I probably would have asked for the morphine or the epidural, which there's nothing wrong with that, but he would have been born so soon afterwards. Like it was, it's in that last, you know, stage when that's often when you want that intervention. Yeah, so true. So do they actually give epidurals that late in labour though? Well, it depends. So if you were a first-time mum and you're seven centimetres, they would. Okay. They would say, oh, because, you know, it could still be hours and hours, so you don't want to hold out. Um, like you don't want to say, no, the baby's going to be here, and then five hours later it's still not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so a first-time mum, you definitely could still give an epidural, even morphine at seven centimetres. Um, if it was a second time mum, I would try and, you know, talk about other options, but you never like people always say, oh, it's too late for an epidural, but it's never really too late. Like we can always start the process. And normally we know for second time mums, like by the time we actually call the anaesthetist and get the obstetrician's approval, they'll have the baby by then anyway. Yeah, right. It's such a mind game, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get the epidural. But by the time, like, it takes almost an hour to get an epidural unless you're in it, like, at the hospital that I'm working now, we have, we don't even have an anaesthetist on site after hours. They have to literally, like, come in from home to do the epidural. Right. So even first-time mums miss out. Right. (laughs) And often they're happy about that. Yeah. You know, you can jump straight up out of bed and have a shower or do whatever you like. Yeah, of course. And your second pregnancy, was that planned? Yeah. So I, when Oki was about a year old, I was already back at work and um, we started to think, oh, it'd be nice to have babies close together. Um, but because I'd started, like I'd moved hospitals, started a new hospital, we waited a few months and then in the May, sort of just before winter, we started trying. Mm -hmm. And I had one, I didn't get my, because I was breastfeeding, I actually didn't get my period back until after Oki was a year old. Okay. Um, So they couldn't have been too close together. But then, yeah, when he was probably about 
17 months we started trying and I had one period and then got pregnant the next cycle. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And how was your pregnancy with him? So I was a bit sicker with him and we didn't find out what we were having. So I thought at the start I was a lot more nauseous and I thought, oh, maybe it's a girl. Mm -hmm. But then, I don't know, something clicked and I just felt like, no, it's definitely a boy. And at work I'm always wrong. But I feel (laughs) like with, I don't know, I just, I know you always say that you obviously have not, like it's 50-50, but I really felt like Banks was a boy. I would have been very surprised if he wasn't. So as soon as I found out that I was pregnant, I um, called Louise, my midwife, from my first birth Mm -hmm. and um, told her and asked her if she would come down again, which she was more than happy to. And she actually still had the student midwife because of COVID. Her studies had been delayed. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she was meant to be already a midwife, but because uh, all her um, like university stuff had been pushed back, she was still a student. So she was my student midwife again, which oh, was lovely. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. I was actually Oki's birth was her first ever birth as a student midwife. So then she'd done like two years of mid like the midwifery, and then. Um, she got to see Banks's birth as well, which was oh, really nice. How special is that? Yeah. How far along were you when you went into labour with Banks? Um, well, <laughs> so when I was 37 weeks, I finished work about on the Thursday when I was about 36 and something. Mm-hmm. Um, finished work, we had a little party and I thought I just kept having this feeling like oh, I really don't want it. Like I had so much to do. I really didn't want to go into labour early. And then the Saturday um, I started, I just woke up and um, Oki was playing and I cleaned the whole house and then we went to a baby shower and everyone kept asking me like, oh, you know, any day now. And I kept saying, oh, I'm sure I'll go to like 41 weeks this time because I'll expect to go a bit early. Mm -hmm. Like I was expecting I'll go around 39 weeks. Um, And that night we went to my parents' house for a birthday dinner. They live about half an hour from us and all of my family was there. We're having a good time. So I thought I'll just put Oki down to bed here and we'll sleep here the night Mm -hmm. and then we can stay up um, and not keep him up too long. So put him to bed and um, stayed up talking to my aunties and stuff until about 11 o'clock. And I just felt like the baby was in a really bad position. Like, It had been sort of anterior um, the whole time and then it turned like posterior. And so at about 11 at night, I did like a forward leaning inversion, which is just like where you're up on the lounge or the bed and then you lean forwards onto your arms. It's like they use it to turn breech babies, but they also it's really good just to get baby in a good position. So that was about 11 o'clock and then I went to bed, um, fell asleep and woke up at 12.30 with tightenings. But we'd had like mum had made Indian for dinner. So I just thought, oh, maybe they're just like (laughs) cramps, like an upset stomach. So I just tried to lay in bed, but my two-year-old was next to me in bed. So I really didn't want to wake him up. So I was just laying there trying to get back to sleep and then about half an hour later I got up and woke Ollie up and I was like, I think I'm in labour. 
And he's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Go back to bed. <laughs> I was like, no, honestly, like this is really intense. Like I got a heat pack and I was walking around and like that feeling was like day two of Oki's labor. Like the intensity, the intensity of the contractions were like what I was feeling probably at, um, probably just before Louise broke my waters in Oki's labor. Mm-hmm. So I made Ollie get up and I was like, let's just go home. We'll go home and see what happens if everything fizzles out. And it was like 1.30 in the morning by then. So I said, if, if I'm still getting contractions, I'll call Louise when we get home. So we picked up Oki, put him in the car, didn't tell mum or anyone that we were leaving. Um, and drove home but we got about 20 minutes and I like knew that I needed Louise there and I knew she was two hours away so I called her and she answered the phone and she was like oh are you sure man I don't know and then heard me have a contraction and was like okay I'm getting straight in the car we'll be there in two hours like just get Ollie to update me over text message and I had a friend from so I live like in a quite a small town that's like 40 minutes away from the hospital that I work Mm -hmm. but I have another midwife like a friend that lives just up the road from me so I knew as a backup like I'd given Ollie her number in case the midwives couldn't make it but we got home around 2 or 2 30 and I just got straight in the shower and felt Ollie put Oki back to bed I felt so much better being home I'd just that morning hung up like my birth affirmation like I made these little um like bunting and I just hung it up that morning when I was cleaning which I think now in my head obviously my body knew something was happening because I cleaned the house so I was just in the shower for eight like for an hour and Ollie was trying to set up the birth pool but because we'd been over at my parents his work truck was over there with all these tools in it and to get the water into the birth pool you have to use like a connection on the laundry tap so that it's hot and so he didn't have any of his tools to put the connection on so he ended up using like our son's little wooden spanner from his <laughs> like play toolbox to put it on and fill oh, up the no, pool how funny and then I was getting really upset because I was like I need you here but I also want the pool set up and Oh, just before I'd left home, actually, like my parents' house, my sister was there and she was going to come to the birth to mind Oki. Um, But I was still in denial that anything was happening. So I was like, I'll call you at 6 a.m. And if anything's happening, you can come over then. Mm -hmm. And so she went back to sleep and was like, yeah, whatever. Like nothing's happening. And then um, I was – so then I was thinking about calling her, but I knew she'd still be half an hour away. So – the midwives got there at about quarter to four and when they got there I was in the shower and because my last birth when I got in the pool everything died off I really was worried that that would happen again Mm. and Louise just looked at me and was like Amanda get in the pool (laughs) (laughs) so I got in the pool and just felt instantly like so much relief And she tried to call my second midwife, which was a friend from work down here, but she didn't answer her phone. So she actually got a um, midwife from my old work to come down, um, Mm -hmm. who I 
worked with her a few years ago, so that was nice to know her at least. Yeah. Um, and so then I was just laboring in the pool and in my head I was having like another crisis of confidence. Like I just had in my head that I was like one centimetre and not dilated and I don't know why. I just like had this going around and I kept thinking like I'm not coping, I'm not coping, but it was just going so fast. Like I was thinking how am I going to do this for another like six hours or so. Yeah. Um, and then – my husband, so in Oki's birth, my husband was so good, like there every step of the way, so attentive, like he'd done the calm birth course. He was just fantastic. I couldn't fault him. And then in this birth, he was like asleep on the floor oh, next to the birth no. pool, <laughs> which he denied. The whole, oh. Like after the birth, he denied, but the midwife had taken photos of him oh. just sound asleep oh. next to and like I don't know in my head I was just so annoyed at him and then I begged I kept getting out of the pool going to the toilet and then I really wanted Louise to check me mm-hmm. and she didn't want to and my waters hadn't broken yet and then um, I was in the pool and I just said like Louise I'm really not coping please can you check me and then I was like already nine centimeters and it just showed me like what a mental game it is. Like it's so much in your head because as soon as she said that, I just switched. I was like, oh, okay, sweet. I've got this. Just started like laughing and talking in between contractions. And like my total, like before that, I was so like shut off and in my own head. Because you thought you had so much further to go? Yeah. I just thought I had so long to go. And I don't know, obviously now I look back and I was in transition and yeah. I just didn't believe it. But it as soon as she said that, like when she said you're nine centimetres, I just completely changed. Like it just went, the pain went from like, you know, I was in the bath moving around with the pain and then I just went like, oh, sweet, another contraction. Yeah, wow, shows the power of your mind, hey. It, it really made me regret not going back over all the calm birthing things, like all the breathing mm-hmm. um, because I felt like I kept saying like, oh, I'll use this couple of weeks to really prepare when I should have done it. I didn't think I was going to go into labour at 37 weeks, so I should have done it earlier. I think I'd forgotten a lot of those breathing techniques and coping techniques. So going into labour at 37 weeks, is there rules with the home birth program around going into labour early? Yeah, so 37 weeks. Oh, okay, wow. (laughs) So I just scraped in. I think I was 37 weeks in one day. Okay. So I was so lucky. Um, because yeah, it was, I did just sort of make the cutoff. That's why I wasn't even on Louise's radar. She was so surprised when I called to say I was in labor. How big were your babies? He was almost nine pounds. So he was three oh point, he was oh, 3.8 something kilos. That's bad. That I, forget. <laughs> <laughs> I forget them too, don't I? He was eight pounds eight or eight pound ten and so that's what in this labor I kept thinking in my head oh well at least I'm gonna have a little baby I was really excited to have a nice small baby (laughs) because I felt like oh he was never like he was six kilos by a couple of weeks like so I kept thinking oh I'm gonna have a little baby it's gonna be so nice (laughs) and then 
yeah, once Louise told me I was nine centimetres, I had a few more contractions and then my waters broke. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a huge relief because it was still up quite high. Um, but then I sort of started pushing and I felt him just drop down onto my pelvic floor like so hard. Like he, I guess he would have fallen like a good few centimetres. He just hit my pelvic floor and then a couple of pushes and he was crowning. Mm. Um, there was like light meconium in the water, which I didn't notice at the time um, because it was dark. But Louise said that after. And then a few, yeah, a few pushes and the exact same thing happened that did with Oki. Like his head and shoulders were born Um but then his body like got stuck and so I had to really pull him out and up onto my chest Um, which was funny because after Louise had told me I was nine centimetres and I started like having a chat and laughing I said oh at least like the baby will be easier to push out than the last one like it won't get (laughs) stuck and then the exact same thing happened like and I don't know how I didn't tear either time like I had no tears I just think they have really like I don't know chubby arms (laughs) (laughs) and so I brought him up onto my chest but he was I think he because he'd come out really fast he was quite um contused so like his whole face was black so if you just looked at him you would think that he had like no oxygen but his body had started to pink up it was just his head Mm -hmm. and um I think if I wasn't a midwife, it probably would have frightened me. But my last birth, which was one of my last births before I left, which was actually my neighbor, it was her second baby. And she had the exact same thing. Like her little girl was born, shot out really fast. And then her head stayed purple for like a couple of days. Um, so I just thought in my head like, oh, no, it's fine. Um and he did, he was like working a little bit hard to breathe, but he just stayed skin to skin and he was fine. He didn't need any oxygen or anything. Amazing. Um, but he was huge. So I pulled him up. I didn't even have to look. I knew he was a boy, like just by his face. <laughs> and I just held him up. I was like, what? Like he ended up being nine pounds at 37 weeks. Mm. He was giant, like a huge baby. <laughs> they must have been so off with your due date or you just cooked them really quickly. Or I just cook them quick or, and big. Like I was a big yeah. baby. I was like 4.2 kilos. Wow. Um, but everyone kept telling me at work, like until I was about 35 weeks, everyone kept telling me like, oh, you're tiny, you're really small. Like, right. And I knew in my head it was a big – like I could feel the baby's limbs. I knew it was a big baby and I kept telling everyone like – no, it's not. Like, it's not. It's actually a really big baby. Yeah. Um, and so when he came out, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot to say, Oki. So I wanted Oki to be there at the birth. We'd talked about it heaps and read a lot of books. Like, there's some really nice children's um, picture books about home birth. Oh, nice. And so we had read heaps of books and talked about it. So once I knew I was. Oh, once my waters broke, I got Ollie to get Oki out of bed and I thought that he would be um, really like 
I don't know, put out. There's these like the two midwives and the student midwife and all the fairy lights on and me moaning and groaning and I was a bit worried about what he would think. Mm -hmm. And he just sat on the lounge next to the birth pool and was not concerned at all. Mm -hmm. Looked over at me, it was like, oh pool and then wanted to watch cartoons. So he ended up putting Blippy on, which is the most irritating kids show. (laughs) And so I had like my birth playlist going with Blippy over the top. And then I started pushing and then the baby was born and Oki just looked over and was like, oh, baby. (laughs) And then went back to looking at the cartoon. I just couldn't believe it because I was really like moaning and groaning. I was super loud. Like Ollie went around and closed all the windows and doors because he thought our neighbours would call the police. Oh, no. And I kept looking over at Oki to make sure he was all right. And he just was not concerned at all. Like not, he was a bit interested in the pool and more just interested in cartoons and just didn't worry at all. Amazing. It was so nice. And it was so nice because I think if he had have woken up in the morning, and there was a baby there, he would have been really confused and put out. Yeah, so true. But because he saw the baby be born, he was there, he was involved, and then... Part of the process. Yeah, he was part of the process, like, as soon as... So then Banks was born, and I actually started to bleed a bit. I stood up um, with, like, a pen because I thought that the placenta, I could feel the placenta, but it was a big clot. And so... Um, I got, I think I delivered the placenta in the pool after the clot and then um, like my uterus was a little bit boggy. So I just got out of um, bed and uh, got out of the pool and went to bed. And then after probably 10 or so more minutes, I did keep, I passed a couple of clots. So Louise just asked me if I wanted like the syntocin injection, um, which I was more than happy to have. Um it yeah my bleeding settled down then and his breathing settled down and he had a feed um his little face like I'll show you photos of his face he looks like he's black his little head interesting so what actually is it it's like bruising so because they come they shoot out so fast and like hit the pelvic floor his whole face was bruised so it's called like contouze I was really like lucky that I'd seen it before because I wasn't worried and yeah. that made Ollie not worry but like whenever someone came and visited they were like oh my god like, is he okay <laughs> I was like yeah it's fine it, it lasted for like a good three days okay like it got better and better but like his whole little face was like all squashed up but his body was lovely and pink so it was nothing to um worry about mm-hmm. but yeah then we were we got back in bed and um, Oki was just having a cuddle with us and then it was about, so he was born at 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. And so we FaceTimed my sister and my parents at their house and they thought we were still like in bed at their house. <gasps> and that was course. so confused when we were just sitting in our own bed with a baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, it was so funny, which was in Oki's birth. We did the same thing. We FaceTimed them afterwards because we were meant to be going out for dinner. Um, and we just said, oh, sorry, we're not going to make it. And we're at home with a baby. Oh, how <laughs> sweet. And did you do anything special with your placentas? 
Um, we did. So we just kept them both and planted them under some trees in the backyard. So oakies we actually ended up having for like a year in the freezer before we got around to planting it. So Banks's we planted straight away. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't want this sit- sitting in the freezer for another year. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really nice. Like the midwives just cleaned up and made breakfast. Ollie went down the road and got coffees and um, we had – like with Oki's birth, so Oki was born on the Saturday night. And so Sunday we had everyone, like all our family and everything coming to visit. And it was quite like, it was quite overwhelming. So this time I kept saying to Ollie, like, after we have the baby, we're just going to have a few days just to ourselves, not having anyone over. Like, we don't even have to tell anyone that we've had the baby. Um, but then when I was like in transition in the pool, I kept thinking, oh, I can't wait for my mum to meet the baby. Oh, cute. <laughs> so my mum ended up coming over that day at my mum and my grandma and my sister and then we sort of just had no visitors. We just really limited visitors for that first week, which was nice, Yeah. especially with Oki so that he could um, – like actually get to know his brother and not just be overwhelmed by everyone else yeah, there. What a great idea. And what do you feel like is the biggest thing that you took away from your births? Are I, you going to do home births yourself? I don't do home births, no. So our hospital, we just, um, it's quite a small hospital. We don't do home births, but I'm actually just starting to be a second midwife for Louise, my midwife. Oh, nice. So hopefully... Um, in a couple of months when Banks is a bit older, I'll be a second midwife for her. Awesome. Um, yeah, which I'm really excited about. I would love to do home birth in the future where, like, we've got a plan to start an MGP at our hospital, but I still think it'll be years. And then the home birthing part of that is, like, a whole nother process. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely like to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing that I took out of both my births is how much it's in your head yeah. like how much it is a mental game like and how easily you can be like things can be persuaded like and definitely as well so in Oki's birth I made Louise break my waters and then I knew that I didn't want that again for my second birth mm-hmm. um, just because it made everything so intense and like maybe quicker, but also a lot more painful. And I felt like I really lost control. Mm -hmm. So now like when I was back at work in between births, I was really hesitant to break women's waters because you do get in like a bit of a, it's a very like medicalized role to just break the waters to make things hurry along. Like when really you should just leave things be. Yeah. Um, So I think that was a definite change in my practice. Like, even when women were really asking me to break their waters, I'd have a like big discussion with them because there's so many, you know, if you break the waters and then there's meconium, then you have to put them on the monitor and it just like leads to a lot of interventions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually had a couple of like arguments with doctors at work who kept telling me to break women's waters when there was no reason to. Wow, good on you. And, um, I mean, if you have an epidural, then it's policy to break your waters. Oh, okay. Um, but I think that was a big thing. And definitely just, like, how much it is a mental game and doing birth prep helps. Like, I think 
you know, hypnobirthing, calm birth, anything that makes you like think about that headspace is definitely going to help Mm -hmm. because you, you know, the pain is one thing and it's really real, but your headspace is another. Like I just could not get over when she said, oh, you're nine centimeters, how I just switched. Like, I think it was just the thinking that I was going to be doing it for hours when really you should just take it one contraction at a time. Yeah. Just do one contraction and get through that. And then at the end of the day, it's a day or a couple of days and you have your baby. Great advice. And is there anything you would do differently if you were to go back for baby number three? Yeah, I think I would definitely um, go back over all that, um, calm birth or maybe even do hypnobirthing which I've never done before just to try and um have a little bit more control Mm -hmm. I will also not do so at about like when I finished work on the Thursday I started doing antenatal expressing which I'd done with Oki as well and I think I won't do that next time just in case it is like I don't want to go into labor too early and then not be able to have a home birth and probably do more like um, prep for afterwards, so meal prep. We had some really lovely friends and girls from work that brought over meals um, and just having that all in the freezer so you don't have to think about it. I think definitely with like a second baby, you've got already got so much going on with your toddler that you don't really have time. Like you just want to sit there and look at your baby. Yeah. <laughs> also with Banks, so he had – he wasn't – like he had a tongue tie and didn't feed really well. Okay. So he ended up being quite jaundiced and lost a bit of weight. Um, and then after my milk came in, it was fine, but he still was taking in a lot of air. Um, so Louise clipped his tongue tie, um, which made him feed better, but he was still like really sort of refluxy um, and vomity and, um, like unsettled and so the naturopath saw him and um, tested his wee and said he has like multiple intolerances so dairy soy wheat nitrates and as soon as I stopped eating those he was a different baby really like that's such a good tip yeah just to look into like I think dairy and soy are main ones that often like it makes like if you go to the GP, they'll just say, oh, it's colic or reflux, but often it is an intolerance and it made my life so much better. Yeah, bad. I've heard that a lot with dairy. Oh, so much better. Like we just had this baby that just cried constantly and I felt so sad for Oki because we weren't giving him enough attention and mm. as soon as I stopped eating those things, like our breastfeeding journey has been so much better. Amazing. That would be another thing that I would say to like – women in pregnancy like definitely getting knowledge about the birth and preparing for the birth but spend just as much time or more preparing for breastfeeding Mm -hmm. so like go on the Australian Breastfeeding Association website watch all the videos know what's normal and not normal um like yeah like talking to other women that have breastfed and just try and get as much knowledge as you can because it, there's so much to it. Like it's not 
you just put the baby on the boob and then <laughs> that's yeah, it. Right. I think if you um, are prepared, you know, if you know they're going to cluster feed, you know that, you know, women get so upset on like day two or three because their baby's hungry, but that's normal. Like it's normal for the baby to be hungry. They're just waiting for the milk to come in. Just keep feeding them. I think like the more knowledge you have and education about that, then the smoother your breastfeeding will go. Yeah. Fantastic advice. Thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. That brings us to the end of the show, guys. What really stood out for me was how big Amanda's babies were and how early she was when she went into spontaneous labor with them. That really drove it home for me that you should never focus on your due date because it so often is wrong and it really is just a guess. To be fair though, it's not often that you hear of women going so early before their guest date. But Amanda's story again is a great example that our bodies know how to cook a baby and they also know when the divine time is to release them. We just need to learn to trust our own individual process, whatever that may be. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Let me know what you think over on the PB Instagram and I'll see you guys next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.